It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Content warning. This episode contains discussion of the sexual abuse of children. It also contains some more in-depth discussion about sex between adults in general. If that's something that offends you or makes you uncomfortable, skip this episode. Predators live among us. Predators whose aims should terrify any parent, any adult who cares about protecting the most vulnerable among us. We are, of course, talking about sexual predators who target children. That's not fear-mongering. Check your local news outlets or your local sex offender registries. You'll find plenty of cases that probably didn't receive much attention. Cases that would chill and sicken you. The numbers also bear out our statement. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's Cyber Tip Line accrued 
29.3 million reports of suspected child sexual exploitation in 2021. We mean it when we say these sexual predators live among us. Some have a hard time blending into society, but others do not. Others adopt a mask of credibility in order to get away with their crimes. We recently spoke to a young woman named Francesca Angaro. Francesca fell in love with a man. On the surface, he was caring, sweet, a real gentleman. When they met, he was 25 and she was just 18. But it seemed like a great match to her at first. Then she discovered he was hiding a devastating secret. Before he met her, he had been charged with receipt and distribution of child sexual abuse materials and possession of child sexual abuse materials. He had concealed that fact from her throughout their relationship. Francesca went through something awful and traumatic, and she's had the strength and compassion to take that experience and want to use it to help others. In our previous episode, The Delphi Murders, Betrayal Trauma, We talked a bit about how the human brain can opt for denial or betrayal blindness as coping mechanisms. Well, Francesca has gone a completely different route. She will talk about her own process of dealing with the truth and the journey she underwent to get to a place of healing. We're hoping that our conversation with Francesca today can raise awareness about this issue as well as elicit empathy for people who find themselves in a situation like hers. As per our agreement with Francesca, we are not naming her former romantic partner. But we do know his name, and we did confirm the crimes he's been charged with. His case is ongoing. He has not yet been convicted, but we will note that the evidence against him is formidable. But as a caveat, everyone is innocent until proven guilty. Predators can attempt to groom romantic partners and friends in order to better blend in and avoid detection. That deceit victimizes those people who end up feeling duped and betrayed and embarrassed. We're so grateful that Francesca trusted us with her story. We feel that by shining sunlight on the issue, she is helping to educate and raise awareness so that others may better deal with situations like the one she faced. My name is Anya Kane. I'm a journalist. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. I'm an attorney. We first connected while looking into the Burger Chef murders, an Indiana cold case. Together, we built a spreadsheet documenting hundreds of cases of restaurant-related homicides. That original spreadsheet gave way to our podcast, The Murder Sheet. Now we maintain that same research-centric, investigative approach as we look into all sorts of homicides, including unsolved cases, historical crimes, and, of course, restaurant murders. We don't just chat about the headlines. Our podcast is a platform for our journalism. The Murder Sheet focuses on investigative reporting, thoughtful analysis, thorough research, and in-depth interviews. We're the Murder Sheet. And this is On Predators, Francesca's Story.
guess to start, could you just describe to us your experience uh, regarding, you know, a former romantic partner and and uh, his sort of, you know, the revelation that he had gotten in trouble with the law? Right. So um, I met him back in November and um, right off the bat, like, I met him at his job, actually. And right off the bat, like, you know, he was very, like, sweet to me from the beginning. I was never really, like, expecting to get in a relationship with him because I did know of his age being older. And that was a concern of my parents and my best friends and everybody in my life worrying about, like, why is, like, an older guy, like, trying to, you know, pursue somebody that's younger. He was five to six years older than me at the time. And for a while, like, I was very apprehensive about getting with him because I was like, I don't know if this is something that's safe or is he just using me for something. But in this situation, and I think that, like, something that people should look out for really is, like, the manipulation that people, like, can use. I would have always been apprehensive about age in any other situation, but because of how he treated me since the beginning we met throughout the relationship, I never thought of anything of it. So... Overall, our relationship was really good. Like, I met his parents. You know, he was very close with my parents. He was close with my best friend. And it's just somebody that I really saw myself being with for a while. Like, there was really never anything wrong with the relationship that I could pick up on at first. So after about six to seven months of us being together, it was after Valentine's Day, actually. We spent Valentine's Day together. He came up to my college. And on my campus, actually, is a daycare. So after Valentine's Day happened, the next day, we were supposed to go to his bowling league, which he had every Tuesday. And I kept calling him and he kept no response. I called his parents, no response. And I started freaking out because the day prior, like, we were intimate with each other. And that was one of the second times that we were, mainly because, which now I know why, Every time we try to be intimate with each other, there was always like some sort of blockage. And I would constantly blame myself, being like, is it me? Is there something wrong with me? Is there the reason why, like, he couldn't stay, you know, consistent throughout the process? Like, constantly questioning myself as if it was my fault. And so I immediately, that's where my head went to the next day. I'm like, oh my God, like, we tried to do something again, and I guess it didn't work. And I, I don't know if he's like, being distant with me because he didn't want to talk to me because of that. I don't know if he's embarrassed. I don't know if he's blaming me. So constant, like, worrying about that. So throughout the day, I kept, like, calling, calling him and his mom and his dad and everybody. Well, Francesca was soon told that her boyfriend had rushed down to Florida for an upsetting reason. So then that night, his mom actually reached out to me and basically said that his twin sisters were in a car accident and they were dying in the hospital and he dropped his phone on the way to the airport all automatically I'm like wait what like that's that's crazy like I'm so sorry like please keep in touch with me like I'm sorry to bother you I didn't mean to stand your phone or his I just wanted to make sure everything was good so when I found that out obviously being his girlfriend for you know a good amount of time I wanted to make sure his family was okay so I, I called down the hospital and there was no record of his family being in the hospital. So automatically my parents were like, okay, something's really not right with the situation. Like why can't we get in touch with any hospital in Florida? Like my dad, like was calling every place, you know, we were going to send flowers. Like can you tell somebody that your boyfriend's sisters are dying in the hospital? Like obviously your first initial reaction is to want to be there to comfort them. I was just like, 
you know, maybe, you know, my, my dad was like, no, Francesca, like, there's something seriously wrong with the situation. Like, you know, pay attention to the signs. My best friend said it to my mom. Everybody in my life was like, no, this is weird. Like, this is not a thing. Like, stop being delusional. And I'm like, no, like, he loves me. He wouldn't lie to me. His mom wouldn't lie to me. Then a couple of days went forward, and now we're on to Friday of that week. And I'm at school in class, and all of a sudden I keep getting messages from his mom saying that, like, she needs to be honest with me about something. And my heart automatically sunk. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? Like, what, what is going on? And his stepfather wanted to talk. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I get on the phone with them and we're talking. And the stepfather basically tells me that he was arrested with his cousin, Stephen, for, for drugs. And, um that it wasn't really his fault, that it was it was like a misunderstanding that there was something wrong. But then as this was all going on, my school counselor back in high school, who I'm very close with, you know, she's like a second mother to me. She also was doing some research too, and she basically found some records too, but wasn't sure, like you couldn't really open the records of what it actually was. So I guess when I kept calling him, and calling his family and doing all that. She actually, my school counselor called the county police department and everything, the jail, and found out that there was some, there was something definitely going on. So when his stepfather told me that he got arrested with his cousin, you know, my dad was like, okay, maybe that that is a truth. Maybe he didn't do anything wrong. He got himself in a situation that wasn't his fault. They kept saying that there was um, cocaine in the back of the car and that, he was using my partner at the time just, you know, to get out of the situation and to take him down with him. So there was hope for me in that sense where I was like, okay, if that's the case, then he'll be getting out soon. His family was like, you know, we don't know exactly when, but if it's, since it's not his fault, he will be getting out. So, you know, I kept the hope and everything. All this was all going on. I was already stressing in school, constantly worrying about him, constantly worrying about the situation trying to figure out when I can get to his family's house to talk to him and everything. And eventually his mom was like, yeah, 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 come over, come over. You know, we'll have cheesecake and you can call him. But, like, something just didn't feel right. And my mom, even though she was trying to be optimistic for me, because she saw that obviously I was really with the kid. Like, there, there was no question about that. She was like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about you going by yourself. I'm not really sure if I'm comfortable with that. So I kept arguing with him. I'm like, Mom, like, please, like, let me go. Like, he's my boyfriend. Like, you know, try getting an attitude with her because I'm like, no, like, you're not going to tell me I can't go talk to him. Like, he's innocent. He's innocent. I swear he's fine. He's fine. So I get to um, his mother's house and she hands me the phone and he's hysterical crying. Now, obviously, I'm crying, too, because the day prior, we were together on Valentine's Day. Then your mom and dad tell me that your sisters are dying in a car accident, which right off the bat to me was just felt wrong like regardless if she didn't want to tell me the truth which obviously wasn't the truth anyway you don't make something like that up it was kind of awkward being in the house with them and then talking to him and he kept bringing up the fact he's like you know when i get out like you know we're gonna get married and have kids and obviously like when you're blindsided by love yeah you you fantasize about these things especially when you think your partner is locked up for something that they did not even do so it was a really emotional conversation, and I I kept remembering myself like longing for her to for him to come home, but like something still wasn't feeling right. Like I knew a part of me was just in denial this whole time. 
Let's stop here for a moment to hear from our terrific sponsors. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle, but it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet, and taking up fun exercises are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Roe Body Program. Here's how it works. Roe gives you access to one of the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Roe Body Program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20% of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. This is weight loss at its most sustainable. With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20% of your weight in one year, in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roe.co slash msheet. That's roe.co slash msheet. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So weeks and weeks go by and, you know, my best friend, who's actually with me in the car right now, she, she was like, you know, from Tessa, like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to push or anything, but something, this whole, this doesn't make any sense to me. I kept trying to call the mom. Okay. Like, can I get more information? Oh, nothing's being said yet. Oh, they're not transferring him yet. It's just like a bunch of like, she didn't want to talk. And I'm like, that's kind of unfair to me because here I am a college student stressing constantly about your son. My parents arguing with me because they're basically telling like, you're not going to wait around for him. Like your life has to move on. Like you cannot wait around for him. And, you know, he was my first, you know, so to me, this whole relationship was a big deal. And there was constant like chaos in my house, me getting constant anxiety in school, which he already knew prior that I had severe anxiety. So here I am in school trying to navigate my life. And I'm like, I don't even know what to do. So it was, March 15th, like a month after he got locked up, and my friend went on this website called Case Monitor, and there was a bunch of records with his name on it. And, you know, right away, like, you're not allowed to see stuff unless you pay for the subscription and stuff like that. And I was like, 
at first I was like, I don't know, like maybe we shouldn't pay for it because, you know, I, I kind of felt that something was going to be wrong when we opened it up. Like, there, like there's no way that he was innocent. There's no way that this many, like, documentations meant nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, no. So she opened up the files and that's when I found out that he is and was a sex offender. And I just remember, like, when I like saw the words and like the, the descriptions and everything of it, like how it made me feel like it was just like a nauseating feeling. Like I quickly rolled on. I felt sick to my stomach. Like I was like, there's no way that this is possible. Still being in denial, even when it's right in front of my face. And he, apparently like he was arrested a couple times for this situation. And his crime was that he was distributing and selling child pornography of babies and infants getting raped by older people and he was making money off of it and there were thousands and thousands of files of him with the money concept like you know him just like taking the files and getting the money and him selling it to other people like it's like you run a business like this where you you know children are hungry you know children that are being taken advantage for and, and this is what you do like 3,000 files of babies getting raped like three-year-olds two-year-olds like a bunch of like innocent children and I just I just remember how it felt like this cannot be real this cannot be real this 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 is not what I'm looking at right now this is not a fix so I rushed home with my best friend to my house and I told my parents and Obviously, there were initial reactions like, what the hell? Like, what's the anger, the, the, the fear for me and for all the younger children that he met in my family, the fact that, like, all the money he was paying for our dates with was probably money he was getting from this kind of situation. He didn't have, like, the best of a job. He worked at Walmart, and he was 25 when I met him, turned 26 when he got locked up. So it's like, all of the cars, all of the dates, all of the surprises that he did for me, it's like, well, with that type of money, dirty money. And knowing that this was not the first time he was arrested for it, it's like, not only was I angry and disgusted with him, but I look at his parents and I'm like, how could you allow this knowing that your son is a sex offender and you see a younger female come into your home and at woman to woman, his mother doesn't even care to think that this is a really terrible situation that I might be getting myself into. Like there's no care. There's no compassion there. They helped groom you. Essentially. They, they helped him perpetuate that, that myth of who he was to to basically lure you in. And that's horrific. And I remember, so it was after all that happened, like, you know, my mind starts to sort of put the pieces together, but obviously I was still in denial. I'm like, and for a while that made me feel so pathetic. Cause I'm like, how can I sit here knowing that this is true information thrown in my face? Why am I sitting here trying to make excuses? Why am I sitting here trying to act like this isn't the real thing? I would sit here constantly fantasizing. Oh, like, Maybe they got the wrong guy. Maybe it's not him. Maybe when he gets out, something will be explained. It's, it's not going to be like this forever. The reality is, it was just, I was so manipulated for so many months of my life being with him that it was hard to believe that the person he was with with me is not the person who he really is. 
And it's hard to really decipher the difference between the two. Because, like, for me, I've never known this darker side of him. So it's not like when I find this out right away that I could truly believe this. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't sit here and say to myself, yeah, yeah, this makes sense. This is totally what I, I was thinking. No, not at all. Did I think maybe the drug thing could have been a thing? Maybe. Maybe he got in, you know, maybe he hit somebody while he was driving one day because, you know, he drove a little fast sometimes. But a sex offender? Never. And what upset me the most, too, was that looking back, obviously, there are so many signs now and even then, even though I was in denial, I, I realized that it, it sort of makes sense when you look back at certain things in the situation. And I even got the, ch- the chance to speak with one of the detectives on the case and one of the cops. They were so wonderful to me and my entire family through this whole process and very helpful in trying to get me help if I needed extra help. So I got the chance to speak with them and they basically told me that you know, for a while, they were not suspecting that he was doing anything wrong. And when he went up to my campus because there was a daycare on it, he actually was never supposed to be there. He's not allowed to be around any children at all. So when he went up to my campus, apparently they were tracking him. And that's why the next day he was locked up again. They were following him down to the school and back. Which brings me back to the whole point of how could him and his parents not realize that I could have got myself in a situation. Here you are, such a serious case, and you're putting me in the car with you. And not only me, but my sister was in the car with him a couple times. A lot of people in my family knew him. My best friend knew him. My other friends know, like, knew of him. And when we're all around each other, it's like any, at any point you, you do something like this, now we all could possibly be involved. Like, no care for anybody else's future. And I think that another thing that hurt me the most was his relationship with my sister. You know, my sister was only 12 at the time. And this was the first guy that I ever brought around that she felt was really good for me. And, you know, we lost somebody very close to us the year prior to that. So our whole family was always transitioning. And he was helping me through the loss. He was helping my sister get comfortable with him, like have a real relationship as like a partner should be to a person's family and siblings and just to know that all this time like it could have been my sister he was involved with it could have been my little cousins he was trying to do something with and like a lot of me felt guilt too like saying to my aunt and to my family like I'm so sorry that I let this man around our family like I started to like put a lot of hate and guilt on myself because I'm like did I do something like Am I stupid? Like, how did I not realize these things? Like, unfortunately, when something like this happens, you don't really start to look and start to hate them right away. You start to put the blame on yourself. Like, it's something you did. But I never would have thought anything like this. And it honestly broke my heart for a while. And I'm, to be honest with you, I'm still not even completely healed from this situation. I remember after talking to those cops, realizing that he was just basically, listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat it with, for you. He's only, he was only with you to make himself look good in the court. The court gave him an ultimatum. Either you get your life together and you start to surround your people with, that are going to do better for your life or you're going to get locked up again. Here I am, not to glue, but I'm a very smart girl. I come from a good family. I have good friends. I'm a hard worker when I'm doing my job or if I'm in school. I'm always optimistic about the future, life. You know, I'm a, 
I'm just like, I like, I like living life. I like being happy. And him sort of coming in was like, just to know that I was used for a court case to make your scandal slice be on the low is disgusting. And I feel so much sorrow for those children involved in these video clips and that are being taken advantage of. Like, you know, I have it nothing compared to those children that are being used even more than I was. So you look at the case and it's like, there's no way this could be real. And, you know, like I said, still to this day, like I have a hard time dealing with the situation. I have a hard time believing that at 19 years old, this was something that I went through. I have a hard time going back and trying to relive the situation and go back and think like, wow, this did happen. And there's a lot of the things that, um, you know, happened after I uh, found out about the case. I actually went to one of his court dates. I was hoping that when I went to the court date that there would be some clarity that he would be locked up forever. And I remember walking in with my father and my best friend, who's been nothing but supportive through this entire process, to get into the court, and he walks in and he waves to me. Wow. The audacity. The disrespect that I felt, the anger that I felt, the anger that my father felt, and the confusion we all were feeling at that time. Like, how dare you? How dare you look at me in ways as if for so many months after this entire case, my life wasn't messed up? Did you not care to think that I would be affected by this? And what even aggravated me and made me even more angry was the fact that his attorney was trying to push the, the case back and his psychologist, oh yeah, he's improving. He's doing so much better. And my initial question is, how is a sex offender improving? How are you letting people like him roam the streets so they can go back and do the same thing, which he already done twice already? I mean, like he wasn't honest with you about his past, so how can he be improving if he's basically just concealing the issue? Right, exactly. And do I think that a part of him might have had some love for me because do I, I don't know. And that's a, con- that's a constant question I bring up to my therapist. I'm like, do you think that there was any love there? And she's like, honestly, Francesca, how would we ever know? Like, he could have loved you, but the way he's looking, it's love for the wrong reason. You know, it's, it's not love because, oh, I, I love you and I think you're an amazing person. It's, no, oh, I love you. You're, you're helping me stay out of jail and uh, your family's great and I'm going to pretend like I care so that I don't get arrested again and I can keep doing what I'm doing and put on this facade for you and live a happy life with you. And then we'll just see what happens. Like, no, none of this is okay. And I remember specifically as an individual myself, something that I struggled with a lot was feeling comfortable in my body again, which, you know, I tried to explain to um, my mom and my dad, like how I was feeling, but he was the man that I lost my virginity to. And although it was not something that was the most normal situation when this happened, I, I still thought of it as special because, you know, he was my boyfriend and I, I truly loved him. I, I did. And I just remember, like, after this whole case, like, thinking about, like, those kids and then, like, having, a, like, a hard time, like, being calm, like, just showering and, like, being comfortable in my own skin. Like, you're a man that sits here and, gets pleasure off of babies and gets money off of babies and here you go like 
putting your body on me. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but that made me feel so uncomfortable and so eerie in my own skin. Like, I just wanted to, like, scratch myself to pieces. Like, I did not feel comfortable. I felt like a part of my body and my, my um, not, I don't want to say innocence, but, like, a part of me was just, like, ripped away. A part of me was just, like, taken advantage for, like, you only did certain things with me to hide the fact that you're attracted and get pleasure from little babies being raped. How sick is that? I'm so sorry that you went through this. It's, it's, it's horrific. And I want to ask you, you mentioned kind of, there was a transitionary period of sort of realizing something is wrong and then accepting it. And I guess when for you was the straw that broke the camel's back where you were like, there's no turning back. There's no, you know, like where you had to break away essentially. Um, I feel like realistically after the first two or three weeks, I I was sort of putting the pieces together. I mean, if you want, I could go back and sort of talk about the signs that I understand now that make sense for this whole situation. That would be great because I think that could help other people if they're in a similar situation. One, although I know that age is not a serious factor for everybody, just be cautious of when you meet some right away, somebody right away, how they understand approach you. I remember when I first walked into his job, he was already being very flirty with me. We feel that age gaps can be a very big deal or not so big a deal, depending on the two individuals involved. Other aspects of a relationship also come into play, like power dynamics, money, emotional maturity, etc., We'd be remiss to omit that Kevin and I are married, and we have a pretty big age gap. It works for us, but it could be rather problematic or even exploitative for other pairings, depending on the circumstances. Our view is that the earlier in life you are, the bigger a deal an age gap can be. In our late teens and early 20s, our brains are still undergoing crucial development, and we're also going through major life milestones like completing education, and forging career paths. And looking back, Francesca has scrutinized why a 25-year-old man would want to date an 18-year-old, a legal adult, but a teenager nonetheless. The teenager I was, I was like, oh, he's really adorable. Here he is flirting with me, and I feel on top of the world. But realistically, like, that's a part of, like, the luring. When when you don't know somebody and you're over-complimenting them, because you know that they're younger and they're going to take that as, oh my God, this guy really must like my presence. He must think I'm beautiful. That's really not what it is all the time. So that's something I would first right off the bat say that if, if you're in an interaction right off the bat with somebody and they're being overly lovey and romantic with you, not knowing really much about you, take that in consideration because not every situation is, oh, they really like you. So that's the first thing. And I feel like that's more of, the simpler thing I could say, but I think the the deeper part goes into a lot of the intimacy. I remember when we used to do things, he was not able to stay hard, basically. That's the only way I could put it. The first time I lost my virginity to him, I remember like it, it, it wasn't clicking. It wasn't like something just felt like it, it, it felt wrong. Like, like the way his body was reacting to certain things. 
Francesca also noted that medical issues like erectile dysfunction or sexual performance anxiety or other physical or emotional issues could also play into such a situation. The red flag in Francesca's case was more that her boyfriend didn't seem willing to have any candid, in-depth discussions with her about what was happening between them sexually. And when it came to the intimacy, like, obviously, like, you know, losing my virginity has always been a special thing for me. Like, I I just never wanted to be with somebody that I didn't really care about. And so the way our situation went down was not the most romantic way. But because I was with him, I didn't think too much of it. So I think a lot of the warning signs also have to do with the intimacy. If he was very, like, anytime we did anything, he would be like, oh, I'm so sorry, like, you know, like, maybe I'm just not feeling it today. And Oh, like, you know, it's my fault. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what's happening. Oh, I have a stomachache. It's like, if you're trying to be intimate with your partner and every time you realize that something chemically is not working down there and they're just constantly giving excuses, you know, obviously sometimes in reality it's true. Sometimes a partner might not feel comfortable at the moment. But after, you know, a certain amount of time, you're trying or a certain amount of months or years you're with a partner and you're still not getting there and something is feeling off, you have every right to question it. Cause that's something I wish I would have questioned a long time ago. And I'm not sitting here saying to shame somebody for not being able to perform. If they have a medical reason, that's different. And you know, that's what my mind went to. Okay. Maybe it's just something medically wrong with him. He did say that he had to go get a his, you know, body checked out a couple times. So I'm like, okay, maybe that's the reason. The reality is it's just because he was not attracted to a woman's body. He was never attracted to my body in that way. I remember him trying so hard to get to these points with me, you know, try to like please me and everything. And I would tell him like, listen, like it's okay. Like whatever, whatever. But no, now looking back, no, it's not okay. It's not okay that you were, you're forcing a situation on me to not only make me not realize what was going on, but to make yourself feel better. None of this is okay. There were other red flags that Francesca notices now in hindsight, like a specific quirk about her boyfriend's schedule. He did say to me, which is another red flag for anybody that might be in a situation like this, make sure you listen to the excuses that they're making. He would always say to me that he would have to go to take his mother to an appointment once a week. And he didn't really go into detail. Oh, um, it's because she's on medical leave, but didn't really tell me like too much what was going on. So if somebody is not telling you enough details for you to understand, really something, something is not, something is not being told true here. Something is off. Something is very, very wrong. For me, obviously, since I was love in love and I was blinded, I didn't understand that that once a week thing and him not being, you know, too, I guess, not giving me too much description of what it was really about. You just have to be careful about, like, the minimal details that people give you. Openness and honesty are fundamentals in any romantic relationship. Francesca's boyfriend certainly cultivated a trustworthy persona that he wore like a mask. And of course, some sexual issues and vague weekly appointments wouldn't necessarily set off immediate alarm bells in an otherwise happy relationship. But Francesca's advice is that if you're uncertain about something, if something makes you feel weird, don't stifle that feeling. 
you're always allowed to ask for more information. As another warning sign for people that are listening to this that might be in a situation like this or know someone that might be in a situation like this, be careful of items around you during intimacy. In the file and in the case, there was a description of a blue iPod that had all the files on it. And I remember specifically, every time we were intimate with each other, he had that blue iPod with him. Obviously, back then, he said it was just a regular iPod. It just played music. Did I think it was a little odd that a 26-year-old was walking around with a blue iPod? Yeah, but, you know, some people can't afford, like, expensive things and crazy phones and stuff like that. I'm the first person to understand it, you know. I'm, I'm a middle-class female. I get it. So I didn't think too much of it, but that is something to look out for, too. We asked Francesca why she thought her boyfriend would hang onto that blue iPod or bring it around in sexual situations. You know, that is something that I definitely asked the detective and the officer on the case. I said, for my own safety, can you please tell me? And they said, we're not going to get into that right now. So I still am unsure. Here's a word from our sponsors. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Francesca has spoken about her experience and some of the warning signs that she has picked up on in hindsight. We were curious about how she has gone about trying to heal from this traumatic situation. But, you know, as time goes on, something that I think that a lot of people need to understand is that you have to sort of let go. You can't keep questioning constantly your worth, the situation. You can't keep going back to everything that messed with you in the first place. It's still taking me a while not to do. But I know from experience going through this whole process that it does not help. Constantly questioning, you know, I, I'll be very honest, for 
probably four to five months after this, up until two months ago, I was still calling the jails to check up on the case. I was still trying to find out information. And I'm going to be honest, it had nothing to do with me wanting an order of protection. I just felt the need to know what was going on. I felt that I needed to have these certain answers. And I remember my mom sitting me down and telling me, Francesca, sometimes you're not going to get the closure that you want and that you deserve. And that's something you have to accept in life. Yeah, did I want to talk to him and be like, why would you do this to me? Did I write a million letters in my room sobbing constantly? Yeah, I did. Did I want to send them to him? Of course I did. But it doesn't help. It doesn't help the situation. What helps is realizing your own worth and being grateful that although I went through something so traumatic, it always could be worse. Look at the children in the videos. Look at how they must feel being harmed, being taken advantage of. I could have had it a lot worse, and I'm grateful and thankful to God that although I did go through something traumatic, I had a great support system around me. Was it easy? Is it still easy? No, it's not. Am I glad for the experience that I get to share this with other people and, you know, talk to them about the warning signs, talk to them about my experience? Absolutely. But I think that me going back and constantly questioning questioning about if I was videotaped, which, trust me, I, I, I've thought about it multiple times. I, I, I've done things to try to get closure in unhealthy ways times of my life where I was suicidal over the situation. You know, I always had trouble with insecurities and knowing that I was taken advantage for, for such a terrible, terrible thing made me hate myself for so long. I would look at myself and I say, oh, I'm the reason why he did this. This part of my body is the reason why. No, it's, that's not what happened with the sexual thing. It's my fault. Everything is my fault constantly doubting myself for it. I remember sitting up in my room and not wanting to do anything with my life. I literally took a medical leave of absence from school because I, I didn't even feel safe in my own dorm anymore. I always felt like some somebody or something was watching me. So I had this idea in my head that it was people that he was associated with that were coming after me. All these thoughts and all this negative energy into my life. And it did unfortunately caused some damage with some of the relationships I had with people in my life. I became a very depressed and angry individual and I hated who I was. And it is a process still trying to get back, but you know, I, I continue to do so so I can get the opportunities like this one to share my story and to give people that are in my situation or even worse that you can move on from things like this. It's not easy and it's never going to be easy. This is a part of my life, but it doesn't define who I am. I wanted to ask you if there's somebody out there who's listening to this right now who's in a similar situation, you know, towards the beginning of the process of healing or realizing what's happening. What advice would you have for them? Oh, that's a good question. First thing I would say, and first advice I would give is to feel out all your feelings. Never be ashamed to cry. Never feel like you're a burden on other people. If you need to talk about it, seek the help that you need. There are many places that do support people in this situation. 
And I think that's something that, you know, I wish I would have done in the beginning of my process is not be ashamed to cry and not be ashamed to feel the way I felt towards him and towards the situation. So I would definitely say, don't run from your feelings because they'll just catch up to you. Cry for as long as for, for however long you need to. Second piece of advice, I would say, well, something I learned from my best friend is affirmations. They do help. If, even if she always told me, even if you don't believe in something, if you write it down, you'll start to believe. So, you know, this whole entire process, I felt like I was weak. But I remember her forcing me to write, no, you are strong. You are a queen. You are beautiful. You are smart. And even if you don't believe it, start doing those things so that you could start to slowly feel it again. I still backtrack sometimes and don't do these things. For a while, it wasn't clicking for me. So I definitely say do affirmations. They definitely help. Third piece of advice I would say is focus on the good in life. And I know that's kind of cliche, but like I was saying before, it could always be worse. And I, I know that's not an easy concept for people that are going through traumatic situations because it wasn't easy for me to understand or to believe or to even care to think of like, oh, that's so like that's so rude that someone's saying it could be like have some sympathy for me. It's not about not having sympathy, but it's it's just realizing that like it, legit it could be worse. You could be the kid in the video. How about that one? Like, you know, even though it's hard, you still have to try to find the good in life. You're here on this earth. You're here to go through a journey of life and experiences. And instead of looking at something like this as my life sucks and I'm never going to get over this, you have to look at it as a lesson, a lesson to be learned. These are opportunities for people to be able to tell other people about. You know, for a while, I never knew why I would be put in a situation like this. But this podcast, i got to be honest with you, is one of the reasons why I feel like it had to happen. My entire life, I've always wanted to make the world a better place and to speak out against things that I, were, I wasn't okay with. And here I am getting the opportunity to speak to you guys and to whoever is going to listen and give the advice and give them the warning signs to look at and to tell my story. And to basically get people out of these situations. So I would say you have to look at the good in life and realize that although it's terrible, it could always be worse. And instead of looking at it as, you know, I'm never going to get over this, take it as a lesson. And I think one more piece of advice I could give is whoever people believe in, even if they don't, even if it's just themselves that they believe in, for me, it was to pray. Pray to God that he could give me the strength. You know, believe in something, even if it's just yourself, because your mind is very powerful. And yes, in situations like this, you're going to get intrusive thoughts. But the minute you do, something my therapist taught me is you flip that right around. Oh, I hate myself. No, I love myself. Oh, I hate him. No, I'm just going to pray for him. You, you can't live your life hating people forever. It doesn't do any good. So I guess another thing I will say, final piece of advice is you have to learn to forgive. Even if you don't forget, and not forgive just to say you forgive, but learn to forgive so that you yourself can move on.
that's the only way this is going to work. Yeah, were there many times that I was like, I hate him, I can't stand him, I hope he gets jumped in jail? Absolutely. I was frustrated. I was feeling my feelings out. But as time's going on, I'm learning to forgive him. And ironically, which I never thought I would do, is also pray for him. You have to understand, people like this have a sick mind. And no, it's not an excuse for what they do. But it's like, be glad that you're not living a life where you're hurting other people. Be the change. Do better for the community, for the world. And just, you have to pray for people like that. You can't live your life hating them because it's only going to do you worse. We want to thank Francesca again and just say that we are inspired by her bravery in coming forward with her deeply personal, upsetting story. It's a great testament to her that she's healing by helping others and shining a light on a disturbing issue. Thanks so much for listening to The Murder Sheet. If you have a tip concerning one of the cases we cover, please email us at murdersheet at gmail.com. If you have actionable information about an unsolved crime, please report it to the appropriate authorities. If you're interested in joining our Patreon, that's available at www.patreon.com murdersheet. If you want to tip us a bit of money for records requests, you can do so at www.buymeacoffee.com murdersheet. We very much appreciate any support. Special thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenley, who composed the music for the murder sheet, and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com. If you're looking to talk with other listeners about a case we've covered, you can join the Murder Sheet Discussion Group on Facebook. We mostly focus our time on research and reporting, so we're not on social media much. We do try to check our email account, but we ask for patience as we often receive a lot of messages. Thanks again for listening.